What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 152 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to, don't be a jerk. Don't really answer the question first. I'm not answering the question. I really hope people didn't tune in to hear us talking about beards. Beard, beard, beard. What's about beards? Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what we've been eating and then try out our best Anderson Cooper impressions as we delve into a news roundup where we will do some follow-up, dissect a meme, and discuss a variety of news stories that have piqued our interest lately. That's right, Paul. It's going to be it's going to be good. We're talking about horse lawsuits. We're talking about new terms for clean meat. We're we're talking about a factory farm detox and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, should be should be a, a pretty packed episode. I think it's going to be a good one, Andy. And apologies if I sound a little stuffy. I am sick yet again. I feel like I was just apologizing for being sick, nay, but two or three episodes ago. But Andy, I was at I was at my brother's wedding this weekend, and I could feel my body getting sick. And I said, "No, no body. You hold off until after the wedding." And then I immediately got tremendously sick after the wedding. Uh, So got a little bit of a cold. So I apologize if I sound strange. Paul, you sound beautiful as always. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. I'm a little more a little more gravelly than usual. Got a little more vocal fry. <laughs> it's not quite morning voice, but it'll do. <laughs> not sexy Andy morning voice. Uh, well, nothing can can compare to that. No, definitely not. So, but before that, we got a couple announcements to make. Andy, we got our live podcast coming up in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's you know it's really creeping up on us. I was looking at our little schedule and trying to plan out episodes, and I was like, "Damn, it, it, we have to do that. We have to figure out what we're going to talk about. We have to do this episode in like two or three weeks. It's going to be out sooner than we know it." So, I'm really excited for that. It's uh, October 13th, Chicago Vegan Mania in the great city of Chicago. Time TBA, but we'll be joining Kelly and Nicole of Vegan Warrior Princesses Attack to do a joint live podcast and that should be fun and it's just a a really great event in general you could come out you try a bunch of really awesome vegan food you know talk talk to some nonprofits, throw some money if that's your thing and come see us talk for a little while it should be a fun time yeah my first time in chicago i'll spend about less than 24 hours in chicago but in chicago nonetheless yeah, most of it will be spent in the Broadway Armory selling T-shirts <laughs> and sleeping, I guess. But otherwise, maybe, I don't know, Paul, I don't even think you're going to have time to actually go out anywhere for a meal. I won't even get to go to Andy, your favorite place of all time, the Chicago Diner. <sighs> Paul. <laughs> Paul, people that have never listened to before are going to think that you're being serious right now. <laughs> I am. What are you, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So yeah, definitely coming out to that. We'll put a link to the event in the show notes and we'll let people know the time of this live podcast as soon as we find out. And Paul, the other thing that I did want to mention was that we have this ongoing iTunes review contest. And this is something where people can write us an iTunes review. And every mailbag episode, which is every 10 episodes, we pick three random winners via a random number generator and we will send them a Beard Vegans button and sticker. And... We've had a lot of angry, not I, 
iTunes users message us. <laughs> I don't know about ang- angry is not the right word, but people that want to get in on that sweet, sweet action, but don't because they don't have Mac products. And Paul, I, I don't know why we haven't discussed this before, but I was cruising around the internet yesterday and you can do reviews for podcasts on Stitcher as well, which is actually, that's the way that I listen to podcasts because I am an Android user myself. So Brag. I was thinking, I think and we, we should open that contest up to, to people writing reviews on Stitcher as well. So how about we pick one, one Stitcher? Well, well, I think, I think well, how we many? could bake it in. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. We could choose one from Stitcher. Right now, there's two reviews for us on Stitcher. <laughs> so those people have a great chance. Or we could bake it in and add that number onto the random number generator that we use for the iTunes reviews as well. What do you think? Let's do that second one. Okay. All right. So <laughs> the, the, if the person, if, if you are one of those two people, I'm sure you were just like, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if you're a Stitcher user, you can go over there and write a review and you'll be in the running. If you have some other favorite platform that you want to be able to write us a review on and, and be in, in considered in the running, let us know what that is. And we'll probably wouldn't be opposed to, to folding that in. Yeah. Andy, what have you been eating recently? All you know, last week I talked about trying the Just Egg. Mm-hmm. Finally, trying this Just Egg, this very elusive, at least on the East Coast, Just Egg. It's kind of like an egg beater thing. Like it just comes in a bottle. You pour it in a pan. You whip it up. You have scrambled egg. Scram- I'm using air quotes there. Scrambled egg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I finally tried it. I got from Orchard Grocer in in New York City. And if if you may recall, I was not super wild about it. I do recall, Andy. Yeah, it's much much to my chagrin. Much but, much like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I have total recall of that of that memory. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> so I, I found out that another place that I have raved about on the podcast before, Rip's Malt Shop, which is just like a vegan burger and hot dog and milkshake kind of place. I found out that they got their hands on this just egg. Where's where is that? It's in it's in New York City. What? Yeah, I'm I am loving this place, Paul. They they use Beyond Burgers and Beyond Sausage and Field Roast Dogs and um I've always gone pretty early in the day, but there's never been a line. They use Van Leeuwen ice cream for their milkshakes. It's Ooh. uh it's just like what I you know, it's not like a gourmet place, but it's it's like what I need in my life, which is just like I want to go get a greasy burger with a bunch of cool toppings. And just in kind of like a diner-esque setting, but not one that I have to wait two hours to get into and and uh, feel unsatisfied with the food afterwards. Not that there's any place that meets that description. And it's it served by Rip himself. Yes. <laughs> Who is totally jacked. <laughs> anyway, so I went there and I got their breakfast sandwich, which is two just egg patties. Rice paper bacon, cheese. I'm not sure what brand of cheese they use, but it's nice and melty, like a cheddar cheese. Smashed tots and all on a hamburger bun. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it it does sound delicious, doesn't it, Paul? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I have to say, then I, I don't... I don't think this is through any fault of rips, because as I've said, I really love rips and everything else I've had from them. I thought the the just egg was actually straight up disgusting on this sandwich. Oh no. Yeah, and you know, normally we don't talk about restaurants that we don't like on the podcast because we'd rather highlight the ones that we do like. So, I'm highlighting Rips. I love Rips. Rips is great. Everyone should go there. I think they deserve all the business in the world. 
this is strike two for that just egg. And it was like wet and spongy and just not flavorful. Didn't taste like egg. And I'm just so disappointed, Paul. Like I still want to get my hands on a bottle and experiment myself, but, but two places that make food really well, places that I love the food that they make have not been able to transform this just egg into something that I even mildly like. So I just, I don't know. It just doesn't bode well for, for this just egg. That's, that's disappointing because I don't, I don't know. I, I guess it maybe it makes sense because there was so much hype around the follow your heart egg. And then that came out and that kind of flopped. And I guess, I guess it, I shouldn't be surprised that a similar thing is happening now, but I don't know. I just, for some reason I expected it to be, to be a game changer. Yeah. I mean, their, their dressings and mayos I think are really fantastic. So it's a, a bit of a flop for me so far. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Paul, I, I realized that I have not given proper shout-outs to the beardos that I've met at VegFest in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to do that right now. I did the Nipah VegFest where I met Randy, Shonda, and Jennifer. And I also did the Harvest VegFest where I met Joel, Roxy, Stacy, and Joe. And Joe actually is someone who recently signed up for our Patreon at the the highest level possible. I don't mean to out you there, Joe. And then sent <laughs> us an email saying, uh, I actually signed up drunk, but I like you enough that I'm going to keep my pledge. <laughs> so it was nice. It was nice to meet Joe in person for that. Thank you for That's your awesome. <laughs> for your donation, Joe. <laughs> and I also did the Hudson Valley Vegan Food Festival pretty recently, and I met some beardos there. And I couldn't find this sheet that I wrote them down on. So I'm sorry to everyone. I know a few of the folks are from Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary, and I didn't mention this on the show, but I actually the day after that fest, I went and just did a tour at the sanctuary. Just needed some animal time. It was great. Love their facility, love the people there, and think that everyone should go visit them if they're in the area. And if you do, let me know, because I can recommend a great waterfall hike for you to do afterwards. I saw the pics. I can attest to it. Solid waterfall. (laughs) Wood waterfall again. Okay, let's get on to the serious business here, Paul. We got, um, we're doing a news roundup today. We're, we're talking about a variety of different stories, things that pique our interest, not necessarily full, big, long, super in-depth discussions about all of them, but, but things that felt interesting enough to bring up and have some shorter discussions, a collection of, of news stories. Um, and so the first part of that, we're going to do a little bit of follow-up. And Paul, we, we just released, we, re- we are recording this the day that we released last week's episode, all about the term veganish. So Paul, I realized that we missed a great opportunity to say that is one big pile of ish on that episode. <laughs> but regardless, one of our biggest sticking points on that episode as to why we were not really down with the term is that we we thought, we surmised that there wasn't a meaningful definition of what vegan-ish meant mm-hmm. and felt that that would be confusing to the public. And and for that reason, like alone, that would be enough to maybe not engage with it because it would be such a wishy-washy, undefined thing, even though maybe that's what the term's trying to get at. But something we probably should have done before we record that episode, but I said, heck, let's just do it now. So a couple of days ago, I just put up a Facebook question. I just said, hey, if someone told you they were veganish, what do you think that would mean? And I think that our pondering that, that there was no singular definition and it'd be really confusing to people really was borne out in those comments. So we got responses like, 
They thought it would mean mostly vegan. They thought it would mean plant-based. They thought it would mean vegetarian, but has some meals without cheese. Uh, someone said uh, it's a vegan who is Danish. Um, it's someone <laughs> that probably eats a lot of salad, but probably also still eats a lot of animal products. Someone who eats or uses animals whenever it's convenient to do so. Uh, maybe it's someone that eats eggs and milk on very rare occasions, but tries to get them from quote-unquote ethical farms. Uh, maybe it's someone that's just not vegan yet because they lack conviction. Some people thought it would just mean flexitarian. Someone said they thought it just meant someone who is lazy. And someone said it just is someone who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they're all kind of dancing around similar points there, but but there's different nuances that are teased out within them. But yeah, so I mean, I, don't know, I, I guess I just say all this to, to sort of reinforce this uh, this notion that we had that Venus doesn't really mean anything and, and we should kind of be wary of implementing it for that reason alone. So thank you everyone that did contribute your answers. Uh, I feel like more than almost any other question we've ever asked on the our Facebook, that one really sparked some conversation and got a lot of people responding. But so did a uh, so did another topic that we're talking about today, Andy. <sighs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. You know, Paul, the last time we did a news roundup was episode one thirty two. We were talking about whether legalizing pot would mean the police would have to euthanize their dogs and a whole whole bunch of other topics. But we also talked about problematic celebrities being promoted once they announce that they're going vegan, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. particular celebrity we were talking about in that case, Logan Paul. Sad that I share half a name with him. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like just sort of all around turd of a human being. I say that (laughs) in the least judgmental way possible, but has done some some really reprehensible things. But in a a YouTube video that was actually someone else interviewing him, uh, a vegan YouTube couple, he said that he was vegan and that he he has gone vegan. He was at a veg fest. And of course, the vegan press picked that up. They ran with it. And made huge headlines out of it. And of course, we were we were critical of that. And I think I forget what your stance was, Paul, but mine was basically I think it's better than not that anybody goes vegan. I'm glad that someone goes vegan. But if it's someone that promoting them is basically going to exclude a huge section of the global community because this is someone that's done things that are offensive and oppressive to you know, a large swaths of the population, we don't need to promote this person. Like if they're going to be vegan, if they're going to tell their followers they're vegan, they're going to do it whether or not the vegan publicity machine picks it up and runs with it or not. So it's like, let them do whatever it is they're going to do, but we don't need to further alienate so many people from our movement by promoting someone who's done a lot of really horrific and and racist and just straight up offensive things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Did you have any opinion at the time that you feel like you need to reiterate here, Paul? Um, I I feel like I probably agreed with you on that. I don't remember exactly what I said, but yeah, it's just like there's no there's no one celebrity that's going to, you know, change the game completely. Or if there is, it you know, it's not I don't think it would be someone like that. So Yeah, and I think also we, you know, one of the things that we talked about was you know, there are certain celebrities where you feel like they're in it for the long haul. Your your Joaquin Phoenixes, perhaps your Woody Harrelsons. And then there's other people where they just sort of, I forget who it was, you know, Kendall Jenner maybe that, that just posted like, I'm eating a vegan taco. And everyone's like, oh my God, this person's vegan. And we didn't really promote that now. And actually, I just saw Live Kindly, speaking of Joaquin Phoenix, promoting that the, the Joker, like this the, the movie The Joker, which is coming out 
next year, October 2019, starring Joaquin Phoenix in the titular role. Joker goes vegan with Joaquin Phoenix in the, you know, it's kind of like they they made the article the headline made it sound as if like the whole set was going vegan or something about the movie is vegan it's literally just announcing that a vegan actor was playing the joker <laughs> you know and it feels like we're so starved for positive news and positive <laughs> associations with veganism that we have to make headlines like that <laughs> like vegan man continues to be vegan <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically so i don't know so so then there are the celebrities where where it does just feel like it maybe it's possibly a trend they're just trying it on i mean plenty of people say they're going vegan and after a month or two stop or after a year stop you know like a lot of people get motivated to do something especially if it's someone like logan paul who said he was motivated by the health aspect of it so it's more like it's a diet to him and we know that diets don't last diets don't generally work and so the fact that that our community was sort of losing their minds over this guy i felt like that was that was a big issue and and then, of course, you have the the issue when if we if we promote someone as being vegan, and then what if they stop being vegan anymore? And it, you know, like like I don't know. I just I feel like it puts us in this weird position. Well, to play devil's advocate, Andy, for a for a second, someone like Logan Paul, whose fame is entirely based upon YouTube and social media, putting aside like so, let's let's pretend it was someone someone similar to him in that that's how that's why they're famous but dissimilar to him let's just say they're like in terms of like good or bad actions that they've done let's say they're neutral like promoting them like that might make them more inclined to stay vegan if they're like oh now i have like my livelihood depends on how many people are into me on social media and now i have this whole other subsect of the internet that is now into me because of this thing i should continue doing this thing if only because it it promotes me basically and but in doing so like you said andy if he's vegan he might then talk about it on his social media so then it's like then it's exposing all of his followers like is there a benefit in keeping a a someone a, a social influencer like that vegan i guess i just don't know how much the vegan public is going to keep someone vegan that doesn't want to do it anymore I, maybe yeah but i guess if he was if if he was doing it just to get more popular i could see i guess yeah that 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 Someone probably wouldn't do something like that, but it's not that there aren't some small levels of fame to be found within veganism. But I mean, think about you know we're we're rel- the the people that are like sort of like rabidly vegan. I, you know, I'd, I'd surmise that there's there's lots of people who are vegan but not really connected to the I guess for lack of a better term vegan culture that's out there that are just mm-hmm. sort of practicing. Maybe they go to some of the food festivals occasionally. Maybe, they, maybe they've heard of an organization or two. Maybe they donate once a year, something like that. They're probably, probably not activists. They're probably not plugged into when every single person goes vegan. You know, they're probably not following veg news or anything like that. And yeah, so, 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 so like, okay, yes, like there are people that have sort of been a big fish in a small pond but even the most famous people in veganism that are just famous for being vegan 
like who who is that like gene bauer or ingrid newkirk or you know s- s- like m- people that most uh, the average person that's not vegan has no idea who those people are so it's you know it's not like there aren't people in our movement that have made a pretty good living off of selling their books and you know like even like a dr gregor or something like that but but i just i just don't think that like the fame that the vegan community can provide for someone is so massive that it would keep someone vegan who already has millions of followers otherwise you know it's like like you hear stories about people that that sort of not authentically start christian rock bands or are just sort of along the ride because one member is really christian and there's like a huge scene there for a lot of people to make a lot of money off of and so there's incentive for someone that's maybe not truly dedicated to the faith to remain in that circuit rather than Mm -hmm, trying to venture mm -hmm. out into mainstream radio i don't think that's the case with veganism yet yeah, you're probably right. I mean, maybe this is this is probably not the case, but the, and this is how rumors start. But maybe maybe that is why Logan Paul was like, "Oh, maybe if I do this, I'll get more famous." And then he did it, and he's like, "I'm not getting more famous," and then he stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, it did sort of come off the tail end of him having that really horrible incident where he posted a video of himself in Japan next to a suicide victim. Or he was doing some really culturally insensitive things, we'll say, in Japan. And the, some saw this as as a, a move to sort of humane wash himself, to green wash himself, to sort of redeem himself at a time when, you know, his stunts went a little bit too far for the public taste. He, you mm-hmm. know, he's pushing it, he's pushing it, he's pushing the line. And he thought that this would be the thing that's like, yeah, maybe some people get upset. But he didn't realize a lot of people got upset over it. And so some people saw it as like a move to sort of clean up his image and soften his image and make him seem like a more compassionate person. But yeah, so, so there might be something to be said for that, but I don't know. I I guess I feel like a lot of that's just going to play out regardless of whether or not the vegan press loses their minds over these people or not. Yeah, I think you're right. And I guess hopefully some people tried veganism because of him and, and, are sticking with it. Like, I feel like if he got in the short time that he was quote vegan end quote, like if someone started being vegan and realized like, Oh wow, like this is great. This is the right choice for me. I imagine that him not him stopping being vegan might not persuade them not to be. So I don't know. I just hope that maybe at the end of all this, hopefully there are some new vegans because of this. I mean, I hope so, but I don't know. I feel like it does the movement a disservice if we like really overblow it when someone decides, announces that they're going vegan or plant-based and we put this big spotlight on them and all of a sudden they're not anymore. Whereas if we just are like, oh, that's cool, you know, glad you're vegan, but don't try to make a big deal out of it, then it's not as big of a deal when they stop being vegan. Oh, I definitely agree. I was just trying to find some silver linings. (laughs) No silver linings here, Paul. (laughs) All right, let's let's move along here. Paul, I Andy. think it's time for us to to dissect a meme again. Ooh. I'm enjoying dissecting memes, so here we are for for round 2. <laughs> and I was curious, I have not I have not heard what you think about this particular meme yet, but I did <laughs> post it on our Facebook just to see what our our lovely beardos think of it. But so this was a meme that was posted by Mercy for Animals. It has a photo of some cows in a field. And then below the cows, it says, vegan, because I listen to my heart, not my stomach. And something about it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I couldn't quite put a finger on it. 
So I guess I'm, I'm wondering, like, do you have any general thoughts? Like, do you, can you tell me why I don't feel great about this messaging? Okay. I think you feel a little more off about it than I do. I'm definitely like, I don't know. I'm very neutral towards it, I guess. Like, I, I don't know if I have a strong opinion one way or the other. I w- if I, if I had to nitpick it, is the, th- is the reason why you're feeling off maybe because you can go vegan because you just th- like rationally think about the things that you're doing and you, you come to the conclusion like, huh? Like I am like, if you're thinking about your morals and you're like, I am someone who does not want to cause suffering. So even if I like doing this thing, I should limit the amount of suffering that I'm causing in this world. And I feel like that's less of your heart and more of like your head. So it's more of like a rational, like, I mean, but again, this isn't the only, it's not like this is the only vegan meme or picture that's promoting like, oh, be compassionate and stuff like that. That's what a lot of them are doing. So I felt like, but that's the only thing that I could really think of where it's like, it's, it's like some people don't care about animals, but you shouldn't have to care about animals to be like, oh, I shouldn't, I still shouldn't do this thing because it's a bad thing to do. Interesting. I mean, uh, to me, this meme is, is more than just saying be compassionate. I don't know. I, I feel like the first thing that sort of struck me about it was that it feels kind of self-congratulatory. It, it feels mm-hmm. kind of like you're 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 flaunting how how good of a person you are, which is something that you know we always hear non vegans hate how morally morally superior vegans always portray themselves as you know whether that's true or not. And I don't know. I, I guess it also makes it sound like to me it makes it sound like veganism is a diet, and I don't just mean that in terms of it's only about the food. I mean it in terms of people think there's like some something you have to sort of overcome and like put yourself through and and deprive yourself of which is what i think of when i think of a diet which is like i really want this thing but i'm not going to because i'm trying to lose weight or gain muscle or whatever it is and it's not like there isn't some hill to get over when people first go vegan but I just, I had just never thought of it as something where I've been deprived of something, you know, and I've someone that's done diets my whole life and weight's gone up and down. And I, and there's been a distinct difference between when I'm trying to not specifically eat certain things to achieve some personal body goal versus because I don't think it's a morally okay thing to do. I guess. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's, I will say, I feel like it is, it is a very common argument or it's a it's a very common talking point that we make to non-vegans though that we say that we do say like oh like it's not that i don't it's not that i don't i'm not vegan because i don't like the taste of these of animal products it's it's because i realized like where the animals where these products are coming from yada 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 which is essentially what this is trying to say but it is saying it in a very passive aggressive way. Like it's <laughs> it's it is one hundred percent taking a swipe at at non vegans and say like it's it is saying like you're you're you think and you get your morals from like your taste buds basically. Yeah, from your from your palate pleasure. Well, yeah. Like I said, I, I put this to our Facebook crew there, and we got some interesting responses. So I'm just going to read a few of those because some people put them a little more eloquently than either of us could. So Kevin wrote. 
Not a massive fan. I think we can listen to our hearts and our stomachs. This type of message seems to reinforce the idea of some type of sacrifice commonly associated with veganism, whilst also the moral superiority thing slash shaming. I've seen this around for years, and I think there are better messages to use. So I guess that's that's kind of getting at what I was what I was getting at there. Uh, Tracy wrote, when compared to the greatest hits of offensive vegan ads, I think it's pretty innocuous. However, <laughs> if animal rights is about justice and the inherent worth and dignity of animals' lives, then I think it doesn't much matter what our heart or stomach or taste buds really say. There shouldn't have to be an emotional attachment to others to do the right thing. It's a message that makes vegans feel good, but does it really speak to non-vegans? And I, th- oh, go ahead. I think that that like hits the nail on the head much more eloquently than what I was trying to say before, where it's like it doesn't it doesn't act it shouldn't matter, you know. Yeah, and I think also it definitely to me that speaks to how I was kind of feeling, which is like, this is a thing that vegans can pass around and feel good about for themselves, but I'm not entirely sure, you know, at least I can only speak for myself. It's not the type of messaging that would have worked on me before I was vegan. Like I would just be like, well, well, screw you. Like, yeah, you think I'm a slave to my, my taste buds, but I'm not, I just think it's okay to eat animals or, you know, something like that. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, no, you're right. And friend of the show, JL Field says, I don't hate it, but it does reinforce this idea that vegans are animal lovers. A, not true. And B, if it were true, we'd never have a vegan world, which is why C, justice as a reason is always going to work for me. Which is true. There there are many people out there who just don't care about animals. And I know some amazing, very dedicated animal rights advocates that don't care about animals, don't get excited about seeing dogs in the street, don't really care about <laughs> spending time at animal sanctuaries. They just recognize that it's the the morally right thing to do is to to not exploit, to not use, to not cause harm to others. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, also, I don't think we pointed out that like the actual ad itself, like the image, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. But it's it like doesn't it kind of doesn't make sense? <laughs> like it's just kind of like a circle around a cow that's pointing down to the, and then the circle extends down to the text. So a, a lot of people did point out that it looks like it's it's the cow that's saying the text. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like graphic design wise, it's sort of this this nice addition to the image that sort of ties it all together and and it looks cool. Like you said, there's a circle and there's a line connecting the circle to the word vegan. And so like, it it looks nice, but it does also seem to be like, look, I'm circling the vegan creature here. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. so that part doesn't make sense, but you know, I feel like that's more just like a design flaw than a messaging flaw and something I have less interest in discussing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Andy, on my way back from Connecticut to to Delaware this past weekend, I took a route that I usually don't take because I was in, I was in a different town. I was departing from a different town than I usually do. And I passed by a billboard for like an all vegan place. And it said it, the name of the place and it said vegan on it. And then like a minute later passed by an, another bill, a billboard that was just a straight up vegan billboard. And then a minute later passed by another billboard. And I was like, Whoa, like all these vegan billboards in Connecticut. I was like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. 
the the 95 corridor is very vegan heavy right now although the the billboard for the restaurant that says vegan organic not fully vegan they do serve honey that's that veganica kitchen organica kitchen that we went to oh yeah i remember that that all those that plant-based honey that they have yeah all that plant-based honey and the other the straight up vegan billboards are from that group be fair be vegan and I, I generally like their messaging, but I feel like they chose a really unfortunate color combination because they use white on black, but also red on black. And I find the red on black to be incredibly hard to read, hmm. especially in low light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was seeing it in the day, but I, yeah, I, I was a fan of the messaging. I think I forget what the first one, but the second one was like the price of dairy or it's, I think it said and it just had like a or no, it said it said like. The first and last time that the mother will see her her calf, and it was just like a picture of a cow and a calf. Yeah, and it said like the price of dairy. It was good. I was like, I was like Connecticut, yeah, baby. Yeah, we're, you know we don't have that many vegan restaurants, but we got a lot of vegan billboards. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on into these actual news stories that we want to talk about here, Paul. This first one. I've been saving for, for quite a while, for, for a rainy day. It actually came out on August 13th from the Washington Post, and it's called Seeking Justice for Justice the Horse. So before I even talk about this article, I'll do a little, little preamble here. Paul, the reason why I decided to put this in the episode is because I feel like we've we've had a lot of stories that are sort of focusing on giving legal rights or expanding legal rights to animals. And I, I don't know, I just find that that avenue really interesting. It's obviously something that neither you or I are involved in or feel like we can have much much of a hand in <laughs> as opposed to, you know, talking about how to talk to people about going vegan, things like that. So I don't know, maybe that's why I'm particularly interested in it. But uh, to give a little bit of sort of set the table here, a little backstory, uh, some, of, some of the ones that we have not covered uh, back in 2004, uh, Bush and Rumsfeld were actually sued over the Navy, Navy's use of sonar because of how it was affecting marine animals. In 2012, there was a lawsuit on behalf of orcas at SeaWorld, five orcas, alleging that their captivity violated the 13th Amendment, which is the Amendment Against Slavery. And none of those went favorably for the for the animals. Mm-hmm. Something that we have talked about, we talked about the Non-Human Rights Project. We talked about that film Unlocking the Cage with Stephen Wise, which was all about getting a, a writ of habeas corpus on behalf of some chimpanzees. And basically, that's something that would make these chimpanzees legal persons. So not something that would make all animals legal persons, but certainly would for these chimpanzees that has not, that strategy has not panned out yet, but they continue to plug along there. And then I guess most notoriously and most recently there was the classic monkey selfie lawsuit, which if you remember PETA filed on behalf of, I think Naruto was the name of the monkey yeah. who, who took a photo of themselves by just sort of pressing the button on a camera that a photographer had set up in the woods and none of those have gone in the favor of the animals so far. It seems like, Andy, if I may generalize, it seems like there are because I remember when we watched the when we watched the movie about Stephen Wise and the Non Human uh, Rights Project, we were like in favor of that and we were really into that and and I feel like we saw the potential in what in what they were trying to do. But then it seems like some of these other ones are 
I don't know. I, I don't want to say a waste of resources and time, but it, I, I just like don't get what like especially the the selfie the selfie one it's like i don't get what their goal was in trying to start this thing and it it just seems like to me this this route the 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 lawsuit route or the law route i think it has great potential if if it's like done properly and if it's not if it's just kind of like oh let's do this let's do this thing just because we can it's probably not going to benefit anyone question mark well i i agree with you paul and i think you'll find some some great interest in the story of justice the horse let's hear it andy so uh, this is going to involve a lot of reading the washington post article is very long so i've tried to condense it and pick out the most important points and of course we'll post a link to this and, and everything we talk about in the show notes for you to check out for yourself but here we go Justice is an eight-year-old American quarter horse who used to be named Shadow. And when he he was named Shadow, he suffered. At a veterinarian's exam last year, he was 300 pounds underweight, his black coat lice-ridden, his skin scabbed, and his genitals so frostbitten that they might still require amputation. The horse had been left outside and underfed by his previous owner, who last summer pleaded guilty to criminal neglect. And now, Justice, who today resides with other rescued equines on a quiet wooded farm within view of Oregon's Cascade Mountains, is suing his former owner for negligence. In a lawsuit filed in his new name in a county court, the horse seeks at least $100,000 for veterinary care, as well as damages for pain and suffering, to fund a trust that would stay with him no matter who his caretaker is. Hmm. So, so this is pretty interesting. Um, the the article sort of goes on to detail all those things that I was talking about earlier. A lot of those cases to sort of lay the backdrop there, and then it goes on to say Matthew Liebman from the Animal Legal Defense Fund says Justice's case in comparison, is more reasonable than the others. It does not involve the Constitution or historically weighted concepts such as slavery or writ of habeas corpus. It's not so, well, silly-sounding as copyright for a monkey. Instead, he and his colleagues say it is the next logical step. Their argument goes like this. While some state cruelty laws were written to protect animal owners or public morals, Oregon's anti-cruelty law makes it plain is intended to protect animals, which it calls sentient beings. What's more, state courts have ruled that animals can be considered individual victims, and because victims have the right to sue their owners, the lawsuit says justice should be able to sue his former owner. Justice, of course, has no idea he is suing. (laughs) Sarah Hennigan, an Animal Legal Defense Fund attorney in Portland, says that Justice's ignorance of the lawsuit is irrelevant. This whole idea of somebody who has been injured by the acts of another and not being able to speak for themselves in court, so having an adult human do it for them, this is not new. Hannikin said, children are allowed to bring lawsuits because we recognize that children have interests that laws protect. So, so this is pretty interesting. It's, it's kind of playing off of existing laws. That's one of the reasons why they think that this will work. It's not trying to necessarily establish some new precedent other than saying that this horse can sue. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think of this strategy? I'm into it. Is so that, that's, what I, that's what I was actually going to ask. Is this a new precedent? Like, cause I'm sure, you know, there's, there has certainly been lawsuits about animal cruelty and who i'm wondering like who is the who is the the defendant in those cases you know 
Well, that's really interesting. Some Another story that I found recently, but I sort of chose to not include it because it was soon going to be irrelevant was this case that was sort of a domestic violence case in which um, the this man killed the dog of his partner as a means to threaten her. And the court sort of the, – the issue was that this guy couldn't be punished for – hurting the animal just just for straight up hurting the animal the -hmm. guy could potentially be punished because he used hurting the animal as a means to hurt his former partner and And i'm and i'm sure because of like the quote you know like the property of it yes exactly so it, it was something that didn't necessarily recognize the inherent rights of the animal to not have been harmed but it was something that's like because this harms the the quote unquote owner of this animal, therefore that makes it something that can be prosecutable. If that's what I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like there must be cases that are not necessarily the exact same as this, but there must be cases where i don't i really don't know like i'm thinking about that like you know the aspca or someone like that or or the humane society if they if they one of those types of groups like finds out that an animal is being abused and they like they take the animal can it like can they can they not pursue any legal actions maybe they maybe they can't so but anyways back to it Back to the relevant topic, I do, like Andy, you are correct, I am really into this because it does, like, given what the article was saying and what the people were saying, it seems achievable. And I think that if nothing else has been done like this before, then it would be setting a precedent and that would be, I think that would be good. Like, I think it's it's good that people, you know, if people who otherwise would be like, I have no problem with abusing these animals if nothing else would be like, Oh shoot, maybe I shouldn't do this because I'm going to get in legal trouble for it. Yeah. And it seems like what this article is saying is that Oregon's anti-cruelty laws for animals is more favorable for animals than other States, because it's not just defining them by their property status, but saying that they, that they are sentient beings. That's the language in this law, apparently, and that they sort of have their own interest and can be considered an individual victim. But it seems like how far that can be pushed, which is what this this case is all about, is going to get tested. I think that and I, I think that like if this going along what you're saying that this is kind of maybe it's like testing the waters with this. If it does go through, you know, I think it it might be a good strategy to try. And then once they have this, this case goes through, that's a thing, right, where they, they kind of cite this other case and say like this is cases are very similar and this was the outcome that's why my case should go this way and they could cite it and if we can get a lot of these sorts of if we can get a lot of these cases i feel like what it might do this is me this is me just thinking thinking big andy what could it possibly help shape like the culture of how we how we as a society feel about animals like if you know i don't believe that our morals should be based on the laws, but I think it would be silly to not acknowledge that laws do shape people's morals. And if we can pursue that avenue and be like, cause, cause a lot of people, 
you know, a lot of people do things because think that things are okay because it's legal and think that things aren't okay because they're illegal. So if we can kind of pursue it that way, that might help shape how we feel about animals as a whole. I think that's entirely possible. You have a very optimistic view of what kind of slippery slope <laughs> this could be on. And there's this this person, Richard L. Cup, who has a very pessimistic view of what this slippery slope could lead to. So let me read a little more from the article. Some animal law experts warn that Justice's lawsuit is extreme, even dangerous. Richard L. Cup, a Pepperdine University law professor who has been critical of the chimpanzee personhood cases, said he thinks the horse case has even more radical implications. Which is interesting because the... Uh, Matthew Lieben at the ALDF says that this case is like not as extreme. It's just based on existing laws. We're not trying to change constitution or anything like that. Richard L. Cup, different idea. Allowing justice to sue could mean any animal protected under Oregon's anti-cruelty statute, a class that includes thousands of pets, zoo animals, and even wildlife could do the same, he said. Livestock, lab animals, hunting targets, ugh, rodeo animals, and invertebrates are exempted. If this approach were adopted elsewhere, Cup said, a stampede of animal litigation could overrun courts. Any case that could lead to billions of animals having the potential to file lawsuits is a shocker in the biggest way, Cup said. Once you say a horse or a dog or a cat can personally sue over being abused, it's not too big of a jump to say, well, we're kind of establishing that they're legal persons with that, and legal persons can't be eaten. Now, Richard L. Cup here says that, like, that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to I was about to say, like, yes, Richard, that would be terrible. <laughs> Shifty eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, as it said, you know, livestock, lab animals, radio animals, etc. All the animals that, that are basically the ones that are usually being advocated for by the vegan crowd, uh, they're still exempt from this. But, yeah, who knows what, what it could lead to if Justice's case was to go through. Also, he's saying he's saying when he says any case that could lead to billions of animals having the potential to fire lawsuits, he's saying that as if the animals are aware that they're able to fire lawsuits, file lawsuits, and all of a sudden it's just going to be the courts are flooded with dogs and cats and horses, like all attempting to file lawsuits. It's not like it's not like there's plenty of you know fraud that is available to us in our everyday lives that we could try and commit because i feel like that's what he's that's what he's implicating i feel like he's implicating that people are going to try to file lawsuits you know over things that either are not issues or fake issues to try and win money but it's like it's not like we we couldn't do that in our daily lives if we really wanted to anyways i could fake falling down the stairs and then sue whoever and get money over that I mean, I'm thinking, you know, about like sort of those like ambulance chasing kind of lawyers. I I could easily see a lawyer feeling very opportunistic and saying, wow, animals are treated absolutely horrible in our society. And there's an infinite number of cases in which I could pick a random animal and go to bat for them and fight for them and potentially win some money off of it. So I, I feel like that would happen. I feel like that you could see this. I mean, I don't know how many lawyers would want to pick it up, but you could see infinite possibilities for lawsuits to happen. If, even if it's on behalf of like wild animals, they could be suing, you know, like multinational corporations that are destroying the environment on behalf of these animals. And I don't know. I feel like I, I think that it could be a possibility, but I also don't think that it would be a bad thing. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm praying for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, mm-hmm. I you know I, as I said, I'd been holding on to this for a while. August thirteenth is when this came out, and we just never had time to fit it into an episode. And so I put it in today. Before you know, I wanted to get in there before it got too far away from me. And I put all these notes together like uh, a day or two ago. And then just before we started recording, I said I should probably do a quick Google to see what's up with Justice <laughs> the Horse right now because this did happen a few months ago, and maybe we'll have some sort of update. And Paul. I found a website. Oh no. Horsecanada.com. <laughs> but uh, apparently yesterday, no justice for justice. No. The the ruling was issued on September 18th saying the lawsuit cannot proceed because the horse is a non-human animal. The ruling stated the court grants with prejudice defendant's motion to dismiss based on a lack of standing for justice to horse. The court finds that a non-human animal such as justice lacks the legal status or qualifications necessary for the assertion of legal rights and duties in a court of law. The court also argued that the case would set a precedent and lead to a flood of lawsuits filed by animals. Yeah. What a bummer. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, to build you up and let you down all in one story. For the listener, for the listener, Andy was hiding that from me. That was not in the notes. <laughs> I didn't want to influence our conversation. I thought we could still have a little fruitful uh, conversation. But I wouldn't be as sad as I am now. <laughs> sorry, Paul. All right. Well, on that said, no, we have a couple people to thank before we move on. We need to thank our amazing new Patreon donors. Huge thank you to Debbie L., Jimmy S and Carissa. Thank you. Yeah. No last name there. So yeah, thank you. All of these wonderful folks are contributing to the podcast at the rate of at least $1 per month. Uh, some folks much more than that and doing so gets them access to our Patreon feed where we put all of our bonus episodes. We'll have another, another one of those up shortly for everybody and all the back catalog of bonus episodes, a couple mini episodes and some other fun posts and videos are up there as well. And people can also get early access to episodes and merch and all that good stuff sent to you. So if you want to get in on that action, just head over to thebeardedvegans.com slash beardo and you'll have a couple of options. The Patreon, a one-time donation via PayPal, or you can pick up a t-shirt from our online store. We got some great t-shirts. We do. And Paul, now we have a new table runner as yes. well. So I, I've been, I don't know if I really even announced this, but I've been trying to put out the Beard Vegans t-shirts at the Veg Fest that I've been doing. And so far, I've been successful at most of them. So uh, if you're a beardo and you want to get a shirt, not deal with shipping and all that good stuff or all that bad stuff, uh, yeah, come say hi to VegFest. We will we'll usually have them there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And so, Paul, actually, speaking of the Patreon, uh, at the Harvest VegFest last weekend, uh, Beardo Nick came by. Nick is someone that picked up uh, a Beard Vegans button from you in Baltimore, the first event that they were available and usually comes and says hello at any of the events sort of in the Baltimore, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And Nick is someone, big fan of the show, and said that he has not contributed financially to us yet, and he's felt really guilty about that. <laughs> and I said, no need to feel guilty. The fact that you engage with us and, and you love the podcast, that is reward enough for us. So, so, so don't anyone out there, don't feel like you have to contribute if it's some financial hardship to you or if it's not your jam. But Nick expressed this feeling that I actually have, which is like this wariness to sign up for a recurring payment 
even mm-hmm. if it is something that's just like a dollar, which I totally understand. Like I, I also have that same aversion to, to signing up for something, taking like a, even if it's like a dollar out of my account, it's not like that's going to overdraft me or something like that. But it's like part of me would feel better about just giving like a larger lump sum. But so Nick asked me this question and he said, what's your personal preference? Like, would you rather someone like me sign up? I know this sounds like I like am faking this question, but Nick actually <laughs> asked this question. So I want to put it to you. He said, like, would you prefer that someone signs up at a, like a low rate, like a dollar or two a month to the Patreon? Or would you rather have someone just straight up give you 50 bucks or a hundred bucks? I think I'd rather have someone sign up like even just for a dollar a month, which, you know, is if Andy, one sec. Beep, boop, boop, beep. That's $12 a year. I have to do the math out real quick. And <laughs> put that degree to use. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's like $12. Obviously it's like, I'm not saying that anyone has to do it. And, and if it, you know, if every podcast you listen to, you donated $1 a month or every piece of art you supported, you donated $1 a month, a month, obviously that would add up. So I'm not saying like, Oh, everyone should be donating $1 a month, but it's, it's, I, I would rather have people do that because then they get access to all the bonus stuff versus not getting access to that if they just donate to the, the one time to the PayPal. Because I think we've done a lot of cool stuff in the bonus episodes. And, and while I do, you know, it's important to, to reward, to give the people something for contributing to us because we, we believe that you deserve it. I also like want people to hear those things. So I think that the stuff we're putting out is really good in the bonus episodes. So I don't know. I would rather have people do that so that they can get access to the bonus content. Yeah. I had the same answer because I don't know. I feel like the, the Patreon lets us connect with people mm-hmm. more than just someone giving us money. Even though Nick pointed, he's like financially it makes a lot more sense for you to like take a hundred bucks. Yeah, because at twelve dollars a year, they'd have to be listening for almost ten years to to equal that same amount of money, you know. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, Patreon does take some money out of whatever we get. And actually, the people who donate at a dollar, we lose the biggest percentage of their donation <laughs> because of how their structure works. But whatever, we're happy to have everyone. We like people getting those those bonus things. But yeah, I don't know. I was just curious what you would have to say about that, but. I don't know. I, I, I was like, we're, we're happy either way and more meaningful to us than the donations are the emails and comments and all of those things where people are like engaging with the conversations we're having on the podcast. But it is nice to not have to lose money doing this. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and you know, it's like, it's not like, Unless, unless the option was like, oh, should I donate $10,000 to you in one lump sum or sign up for $20 a month or something like that? It's not like it's going to be this huge financial difference between doing one or the other. So I would say if you care to, to get that bonus content, then definitely I would say Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like we're depriving people who donate larger amounts via a one-time donation and not giving them the bonus episodes. Yeah. But. Yeah. We should like if someone donates twenty five dollars, we can get their email and we will sign them up for the Patreon. Just and we'll pay for the dollar a month. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's one way to do it. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I don't know. A little little interesting musing on the 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 PayPal donation situation there. But uh, with that said, let's let's move on into this next news story. All right, Andy. We just recently watched that one movie that had all the all the the new kinds of clean meat or cultured meat or whatever you want to call it, which will, which will soon be the topic of discussion. But 
like we, we were kind of up on all the we or at least I I was now up on all these like new developments and here's another recent development in the world of cultured and or clean and or cell based meat question mark so this is from businessinsider.com some of silicon valley's leading startups making meat from cells are abandoning the term clean meat here's what to call it instead so this is from september 10th and i'm going to read a little bit from that ceos from a handful of startups working to create meat from animal cells have decided there's one thing they don't want their product to be called clean some startups had been using the term clean meat as a moniker for real meat grown in a lab from animal cells. But following a spirited discussion behind closed doors on Friday, the leaders of at least five startups decided that the name comes with too much negative baggage. Although they'd been using the term clean to distinguish themselves from factory farmed meat and plant-based meat alternatives like the Impossible Burger, the label could imply superiority or that one method is better than another. That might make it difficult for some of the startups to collaborate with traditional meat companies, so instead they're switching to cell-based. Cell-based meat is a better label to bring them on board, Brian Spears, the founder of a cell-based meat startup called New Age Meat, told Business Insider. We want to make winners instead of losers. Losers will fight you. Winners will fight with you. (laughs) Andy. (laughs) And also, closers get coffee. (laughs) Andy, what does that quote mean? (laughs) We want want to make winners instead of losers cell-based meat. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of like you want to have people that are sort of feel like they're a part of your industry and gain something from it versus like someone that's being hurt by your industry coming in, I guess. I guess. It's just like I read that and I was like, I don't know what this is talking about, (laughs) Brian. All right. So finishing up this article. At their meeting, the representatives of these cultured meat startups also agreed to form an industry trade organization to represent themselves. They hope the move will allow for better collaboration with traditional meat companies, but have not released any further details on that work. Still, alternatives like, quote, farm-free didn't work either, some of the CEOs said. That's because not all traditional meat is produced in factory farms and because it emphasizes what the startup is seeking to avoid rather than what they aim to represent. We'd rather define ourselves by what we are as opposed to what we are not, said Naya Gupta, the co-founder and CEO of Fork and Good. Before, before you say anything, Paul, let me cut you off. Mm-hmm. That, that line, alternatives like farm-free don't work either because not all traditional meat is produced in factory farms. It doesn't say factory farm-free. It just says farm-free. Yeah. Like, why isn't farm-free an accurate descriptor? So, I think, uh, in general... Uh, I have mixed feelings about this, Andy, about what all of what was presented in this article, because, and this is going to relate to this, because while I'm, I am into, like, I am into the cultured meat or the, the excuse me, excuse me, the cell-based meat working with, ac- uh, ooh, I don't want to say actual, working with <laughs> traditional, question mark, meat, animal com- flesh, animal flesh meat companies. While I do want that to happen, because you know, for every if if uh, if if Tyson, for instance, sells one burger that's cell based instead of one burger that's cow based, like that's a, that's good, that's awesome. While I do want that collaboration, it seems like this article makes it seem like they are 
under the like the thumb of the meat industries and like they're they're like oh we don't want to like offend like i'm i'm so sorry we don't want to offend you we can't say clean meat we can't say farm free meat it's it just seems like they're bending over backwards to make sure i mean you know i'm not andy i'm no business i'm no business person so i guess i guess they are just looking out for their businesses but to me it seemed like something more it seemed like they're more concerned with that than other stuff that they should be concerned with yeah it's definitely a really bizarre rationale i I, paul i will say this i hate the term cell-based meat yes also i hate i hate it i i i hate it i don't want to say it (laughs) It doesn't roll off the tongue. It sounds gross. It sounds way more like a like a Franken food than than even like cultured meat. What was wrong with cultured meat? Cultured meat was fine. I like cultured meat. Cultured meat wore a, a top hat and a monocle and like I don't know <laughs> is well read and travels the world. You know, like cell based meat. Like who wants to eat that? Like like also also they were concerned because they were concerned because farm free wasn't accurate even though it 100% would be because it is not being created on a farm. Andy, let me let me tell you a little secret. Uh, I know where you're going, Paul, uh, and, and I'm with you. Animal-based meat is also cell-based. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's it's it it boggles my mind. Like I get not calling it lab-grown meat cuz that weirds people out, but does cell-based meat does that not conjure up images of a lab it, like i th- wait why why did they move away from cultured because now that you've gotten the idea of like a top hat like i'm i'm just imagining all of the branding possibilities just like a cow <laughs> in a mon like a basically a cross between a cow and mr monopoly and or um, a cow or mr. mr monopoly peanut. yeah and mr peanut and like that would be so great for branding i want to start one of these companies just so that can be my my image yeah, I don't know. I, I I mean, I assume that they move from cultured to clean because clean eating is like a really current phrase that has a lot of positive connotations for a lot of people, even though it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's I don't know. I mean, I was fine with clean meat. I was fine with meat that like basically like it doesn't involve nearly as much waste of resources. It doesn't involve slitting the throat of an innocent sentient being and all the blood and the feces and all that stuff. And I don't, I, like, I, I was fine with that term, but I was also fine with cultured meat. Like every, you know, like I feel like every time this industry has trotted out a new term, you and I have relatively easily adopted it, but I just don't feel like I can say cell based meat. Yeah, no, it's, it sounds like nonsense. And, and you know, it's like they're with clean meat. Their whole th- reason for changing it is because they want to promote collaboration with the meat industries who are literally trying to sue them so that they cannot call it meat. It's like the people who you're trying to please with the name are trying to sue you so that you cannot call it that name. Yeah, well, not not all of them. It seems like some of the companies, like like Tyson, for instance, are. Although, I, honestly, I would not be surprised if, like, in one hand, Tyson's like shaking the Beyond Meat 
people's hand and then behind their back they're holding a knife just like waiting to stab beyond me in the back like or there's they're like hedging their bets like like they're trying to prevent them from coming in so they can squeeze money out of their current business model as long as possible but they see the writing on the wall and that that means that they're they're sort of hedging their bets and saying like well let's also invest in plant-based meat and cell based meat and <laughs> you know like let's just have our fingers in all the pots and and hope that it works out for us but yeah i don't know I, so i guess i'll say not not all of the companies are trying to prevent that terminology from happening you, but you know enough who, of them you know who is andy the cattlemen's association <laughs> <laughs> that's true john cattleman john cattleman so paul i just I've been so, you know, it's been really interesting watching the development of this whole lab-based meat saga since our podcast started. I know we've had lengthy discussions about how we feel about the ethics of it and all that stuff. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, cool, glad, I'm glad if the public is, is actually going to adopt this and wants to eat this, I'm, I'm good with that. But I feel like if they call it cell-based meat... <laughs> I just I'm so hung up on that. I had some people at the at the wedding that I went to this past weekend, some non-vegans saying like, "Oh, I'm excited like for that to come out so that I can like switch to it." Yeah, not excited enough to go vegan now, but <laughs> I don't know once they hear it's called cell-based meat, all bets are off. Yeah, they just back away slowly into a hedge <laughs> like Homer. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I, I, in the grand scheme of things, I I I'm I'll say this. I'll say this, Andy. I'm glad that the public is already at least slightly informed about what this is. Like people, I'm glad that many people have already made up their minds about it. I'm talking, talking to you, non-vegans. I'm glad that many people have already said like, oh yeah, I'm going to eat this when it comes out. Like they know what it is. They're less likely to change their mind because of a name change, you know? I feel like it's it's the people that haven't heard of it yet, which I'm sure there are plenty, that I think the name is more important, is a more important factor. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, for years, you know, even doing outreach, I've had people say, well, I'm not going to go vegan, but once, you know, this, <laughs> at that point, lab-grown meat is available, I will eat that. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like... <sighs> Like you're willing to adopt that, but you're not willing to eat vegan meats. It's it's like, to me, that's weird, but there is some mental hurdle where they don't have to get over that hurdle to eat the lab grown stuff versus eating plant made stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like they're, I'm reminded of that meme where the person's riding along with a bicycle and then they stick a broomstick like into their spokes, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, and they're going to be like, damn meat companies or something <laughs> like that. Like they're, they're going to trip themselves up and, and hurt themselves. It almost feels like there is like some, some meeting between the, the clean meat people and the, the animal flesh slaughtering people. And they're like, no, 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 you should totally change the name to cell based meat. That'll be good for all of us. Yeah. And really, it's a diabolical plot to make the that industry go under mm-hmm. the clean meat industry to go under. That apparently the the clean meat people are more than happy to adhere to. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Let us let us email in. Will you call it cell based meat? Let us know. Let us <laughs> let know. us know. All right. Let's move on into our final news story of this news roundup. This one was actually sent into us from Jennifer B. This is a Facebook post from the ASPCA. And Paul, I'm really curious to know what you think about this approach. Mm. 
feeling hopeless about animal cruelty, pollution, and injustices yes. occurring on factory farms. Yes. Yes, you're on board. Well, here's a way to make a real difference. Drum roll, please. <laughs> the ASPCA's factory farm detox. Hmm. What could that be? What could that be? Join our week-long factory farm detox, and we'll send you daily emails with inspiration and resources, including exclusive tasty recipes from favorite chefs and bloggers. We'll help you understand food labels, both good and bad, and find higher welfare products where you shop. Mm. Yay. Sign up today. Okay. So what this is, is a, there's a website that you can go to and you can sign up and you'll get daily emails. And it's, I mean, it kind of seems like a version of Veganuary in, in some ways, it, it, like the same format rather, mm-hmm. but for a week instead of a month and not vegan. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, like they, they basically, if you go to the website, it sort of outlines what's going on. It says, you know, like what it's all about. No to meat, eggs, or dairy from animals raised on factory farms. This means caged, crowded, lacking access to the outdoors, and worse. Yes to meat, eggs, and dairy produced on welfare certified <laughs> farms, as well as all plant-based meat and dairy alternatives. So, yeah, it's basically pointing people towards the smaller farms. They're not... They're not even smaller, Paul, but they just have different certifications. And it says that, you know, the some of the benefits of the detox, it lists like a lot of things, but then it says uh, benefit the environment. Producing one pound of factory farm beef uses more water than 100 showers. And I read that and I was like, but y- eating quote unquote humane beef uses just as much, if not more water than yeah. the factory farm stuff. Yeah. So it's just like weird that they kind of throw that statistic out there as if it's a reason to eat local stuff for some reason or the humane stuff. I don't I want to say local because a lot of people assume local means humane, but of course it does not. It's it sounds like they got that stat from like uh watching Forks Over Knives or Cowspiracy or something, and they were like, I'm just gonna th- we're just gonna throw in this word factory farmed in front of beef and make it our own statistic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're just going to throw these numbers out there and then not follow them through to their logical conclusion about what it means for non-factory farmed animal products. Mm -hmm. So uh, this email from Jennifer B. said, The optimistic side of me hopes that this is just a first sign of change considering how much reach the ASPCA has and not just support from those animal lovers in denial. Maybe people will actually find out how impossible it is to actually not participate in factory farming while still consuming animal products and try veganism instead. So I had not considered this possible angle, Paul, but this is something that we've talked about. Even even in the veganish veganish episode, you were saying that someone who eats vegan 95% of the time, 95% of the time they're plant-based and 5% of the time they don't, that that actually seems like harder and more rigorous than just being straight vegan. Yeah. Like it, it's hard to make sure you're only eating that 5% and not tiptoeing into six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10% category where maybe you're not considered veganish anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's something that like when I was doing outreach with people and they say, well, I only eat, you know, local, humane, whatever meat, I would, I would gently press them on that and ask them where they get that meat. And, you know, when if they go out to, to Taco Bell, are you only getting vegan meals? Cause obviously that, you know, and, and you, you usually find out that most people, when they say that they eat, 
you know, they only eat the ethical stuff, the quote unquote ethical stuff. It really just means they pick up some, some free range chicken from Whole Foods once a week. And it doesn't actually mean that that's like something they really strictly adhere to. So, so what do you make of this idea that, that maybe, maybe this could potentially get people to realize how hard it is to avoid things from factory farms from, from like the truly bad ones. I, I will answer your question. I was listening, Andy. I was also looking up that that fact, and they don't cite their sources. It says resources upon request, so I'm suspicious. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> uh, I certainly don't think, Andy, that that's their intention. I, I could be wrong, but I 100% don't believe that that's their. they have this diabolical scheme. I, like Jennifer, I would like to be optimistic about this, I don't know if I am super optimistic about it. I imagine that maybe the more realistic scenario would be, yeah, I'm going to try this thing. Oh, this is hard. I'm going to stop doing this thing. Like, I think that that's maybe, especially if it's just for one week. You know, it's like when we were talking about all the pledges and stuff, I feel like this was a long time ago. I feel like we kind of came to the conclusion that we thought that a week wasn't really enough. I think we said, you know, it's like you need more than a week to flush out all of the the products that whatever the detox. I don't want to call it a detox. That's also weird. I don't know. It doesn't. That feels weird. It's like a buzzword yeah. right now. It's like clean, clean eating, clean meat. It's just sort of this this thing that has a generally positive connotation, I guess. Yeah. So whatever you want to call it, though. Factory farm free cleanse or something. <laughs> Like, it, I, I we came to the conclusion that you kind of need more than a week because, for instance, for Veganuary, it's like you flush out a lot of the stuff that's in your refrigerator that you're not eating because a lot of it's going to go bad in that month versus a week. It's like you buy this this factory farm eggs. Andy, I'm going to be honest, don't know how long eggs last. But, you know, like you buy these factory farmed eggs, you have them in your refrigerator and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to eat those in a week. You know, it's like you can still keep them in your refrigerator, I think, and and they won't go bad. But so, so it's like the fact that it's a week leads me to believe that if people think that it's hard, they they were like, oh, this wasn't really that much of a commitment to begin with anyway. So I'm just going to stop doing it. Paul, I have some intel for you. Ooh, lay it on me. With proper storage, eggs can last for three to five weeks in the fridge and about a year in the freezer. Uh-oh. So I was so that's that doesn't bode well for even the the veganuary crowd. No, no. Although the longer an egg is stored, the more its quality declines, making it less springy and more <laughs> runny. I know, Andy, we've been getting we've been getting those emails from Veganuary, and I did think it was weird that in the first week it said, Take out all your eggs, go to your local principal's house and throw them at, at his house. <laughs> yeah, that is one way to get rid of them. <laughs> so I don't know. I just think I, I I'm not super I mean, obviously, I'm not jazzed on this because it's. I I think it's missing the point, and and I am I am Andy struggling to find the optimism. Even though I am ever the optimist, I'm struggling to find the optimism that that Jennifer is getting is getting out of this. Yeah. Well, let me let me back up to what you said a little while ago, which was you don't think that's their intention. I agree with you 100. Uh, percent The ASPCA certainly not a vegan organization. Certainly not an organization that has ever really aligned with vegan values whatsoever. But I mean, I I do think that 
on some level, there could be something to Jennifer's email here. I know Jennifer is also sort of really stretching for some sort of optimistic outlook, which is something that I think we we try to do on the show. We try to look at all the angles, which is that if someone was truly trying to find animal products that met actual ethical standards, not just something that's like slapped with a welfare rating of two at Whole Foods, that that would be really hard to do and it would make it really hard to go out and eat uh, meat and, and eggs and whatnot that fit those standards, but it'd be easier to probably go out and eat vegan because you wouldn't be worrying about those particular standards. Devil's advocate, Andy, but now they have a whole, a very well-funded organization to give them the resources on how to live that lifestyle if that's how they want to live. Yes. Well, so on that note, what you so what you do is you go to their website that's linked in this Facebook post and you can sign up, you put in your name, your email, you put in even what state that you live in, and then they'll start sending you emails. And Paul, guess what I did? <laughs> sign us up. So they've already been they've already been sending us some emails. I just signed us up last night, so you know it's a week long thing. We'll see we'll see what these emails say. Maybe we can like include them in our episode where we where we go over all the veganuary emails or something. Yeah, but so so you sign up, they send you a welcome email, but it also immediately directs you to their web page. And so once it signs up, it gives you a couple of links. One of them is the ethical shopping list, which they provide, and we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes. If you- if you want to check it out for yourself, uh, shop your heart brand list. And so it says on this page, whatever you eat, you can improve the lives of farm animals by purchasing more plant-based products or seeking out brands bearing these welfare certification labels, which represent oh. more humane and transparent farming practices. So I guess to their credit, they do include the possibility of eating plant-based food in this thing, but they don't, they don't like really press for it. So under this thing, they have this whole list of brands and it's sectioned out by, you know, chicken, beef, cattle, eggs, greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes. No, like they have, they have, like they have a whole smorgasbord of various animal based products and they do have one tab for like vegan plant-based, you know, plant-based products that list like Gardein and Field Roast and an Almond Breeze or whatever. So it's just kind of like one little tiny thing. It doesn't have like a, even like I, I would wish that under dairy, they would list whatever, you know, bullshit brands they include, but then also say Silk and, and Br- Almond Breeze and, you know, like, like, you know, because unless the people are like actively looking for the vegan stuff, in which case they might not even be trying to, you know, that might, I'm assuming the average person that's signing up for this is not someone that's like trying to go vegan or try a lot of vegan food. So I just, I wish that it was included with the other products. So people know that it's an option and it's not like some separate small tab or something. Yeah. I mean, overall just kind of, I'm going to poo poo on this one, Andy. Yeah. And basically the whole thing like recommends that you go shop at whole foods and it just lists like all these brands that are whole foods. And they're like, we recommend that you make sure you get at least step two or higher welfare rating. But I'm pretty sure whole foods doesn't sell the step one. Like they only sell step two. Correct me if I'm wrong. And regardless, you know, like this is, this should not even be the point, but regardless, you know, we've talked about how the well, that the whole foods welfare scale is kind of BS anyways. Yes. It, well, exactly. And so, so the welfare scare the scare. <laughs> yes, e- exactly. So the the welfare scale 
is absolutely meaningless as we've seen uh, like we know obviously because the animals are commodified and end up dead on someone's plate so one meaningless there but also meaningless because we've seen all these undercar investigations at these like the highest rated welfare you know pig farms or whatever and they still show horrendous conditions of these animals they don't mean anything but i think that you know to to jennifer's point like oh maybe this will show people how hard it is but if if the whole detox was like you must go seek out one like local egg farmer and go and look at how those eggs are produced and then if you think it's okay eat those eggs something like that would show people how hard it truly is but just being like you know uh, like financial barriers aside i guess just telling people just go eat anything at whole foods and you're fine like it to me that's not much of a challenge if you are someone that lives you know relatively you know, within a reasonable driving distance of eight hours from Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. You think this is sponsored by Whole Foods, Andy? I would be so shocked if it wasn't. (laughs) And you did not laugh at my eight hour reasonable driving distance joke, Paul. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Something that was kind of interesting that I thought I would point out is that also they have the list of brands and they also have a, a link to recipe pages. Now the recipe page only has 16 different recipes. Uh, as I was looking at them, I was like, a lot of these seem like they're vegan, which is which is curious to me. So I, I did go through all of them. Ten of the 16 recipes are 100% default vegan. Interesting. Yeah. So that's like a much higher percentage of vegan options being offered versus the shopping list. And two of the other six are like basically vegan, except they say sprinkle some Parmesan cheese on the end and then parentheses like optional or replaced with breadcrumbs to be vegan or something like that. So like the vast majority of them are vegan or easily veganizable. Now, Andy, the interesting thing to me about that is if their whole thing is you can eat the exact same products, just not the factory farm version why would people be looking for new recipes because they can just make the same things that they've been making with the same foods just differently produced? I had not thought about that at all, Paul, but that is, <laughs> that is really, it's not like it's, you know, when someone says I'm going to go vegan or go plant-based or something, it does usually mean changing yeah. the way that you eat. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you can replace certain things with the vegan uh, version of it. But also it does sort of mean changing up how you eat a little bit and maybe learning new recipes. I know it certainly did for me. So so that's like a that's an interesting point. I mean, like, like this this is evidence in in Jennifer's optimistic column saying that, yeah, it tells you all these products you can have, but it's also telling you that the recipes you should eat that you're eating, that you should really be eating plant-based food like 70% of the time. I'm certainly glad that that it's like that rather than not. I'm just wondering how many people are looking at the recipes tab. Uh, I'm going to guess optimistically 3% of the people that sign up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. One, uh, you know, and the recipes are just sort of links to various blog entries. And so one of them for the very non-vegan entry was a chicken sausage frittata. And it was just like an Instagram post with the recipe on it. And the person on this long post wrote, like a lot of these bloggers had, were, were um, sort of doing it in collaboration with this detox. And they wrote, my eyes have recently been opened to the harsh realities of factory farming. And while I have toyed with the idea of veganism, it is just too unrealistic and restrictive for me personally at this time. Wah, wah. 
you know, so I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I a hundred percent agree that I can't really feel optimistic about this. Uh, if, if it was something that was like truly trying to get people to seek out products that most people would actually think are ethical. And again, we don't think the commodification of any living being is ethical, but you know, like the average person, if they, you know, they want to see a, like three pigs roaming in a field that live into an old age and then get, get, yeah, apparently smoked up and high and then killed like, you know, like if it was like seek out farms like this and people are like, wow, these are really few and far between. In fact, there's none three states in my like a three state radius of mine like that. I could see that it would truly educate people on how hard it is, but nothing in the language of this suggests that that's the, the goal. And it, ultimately, what this really does is just reinforce that there's a right way to exploit animals, which we believe to be absolutely false. Yeah. You know, Andy, when I was living in Philadelphia, there was like an ASPCA person on every corner of Philadelphia. And I was always like, I feel like I should have a conversation with them because I feel like out of the general, the random general people that I would see on the street, one, this person wants to talk to me because I know they're going to engage me as I walk by. And two, I feel like they might be more inclined to hear what I have to say, but I never did. I was never sure how to broach the subject. Yeah, and you also kind of wonder how many of those people are just sort of paid to stand out there and collect signatures, and how much they're how well versed they are in the issues and all that stuff. But they might be slightly more inclined to have empathy towards these issues. This is entirely possible. It's entirely possible. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we could leave this one there. I think we can. You know, I'll check out those emails that come in, but I don't expect to have my opinion changed on them. Maybe it'll make me dislike the ASPCA even more than I already do. But yeah, we'll let people know, but yeah, definitely send us your thoughts. Send us your news stories for the next roundup to the bearded vegans at gmail.com. And let us know what you think. The bearded vegans, the bearded vegans at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, to Jennifer for sending this one in. This was a really good one and definitely hit us up. Hit us up on the email, hit us up on the Instagram, hit us up on the Facebook because, you know, there's there was the meme, there was the veganish. We've had some good conversations going on the Facebook. So keep keep those up, but be kind and respectful. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anyone hasn't been, but you know, just as as a general rule of thumb. It's cool yes. to be it's cool to be kind. It's cool to be cool. <laughs> it's cool to be cool. As 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 my my good friend Dustin the vegan roadie would say, it's nice to be nice. <laughs> so Andy, do you got anything coming up? Yeah, October sixth and seventh, I'll be at the New Jersey Veg Fest in Secaucus, New Jersey, at the Meadowlands. There, it should be a fun time. October thirteenth, Paul Chicago Vegan Mania live podcast. With it's vegan almost attack. Almost here. October 20th and 21st, I'll be at the Portland Veg Fest in Portland, Oregon. And then October 27th, I'll be at the Texas Veggie Fair in Dallas, Texas. So uh, if you want to come say hi to me and or Paul at any of these events, just find the Compassion Company table, look for the bright green tablecloth, look for the uh, the unicorn t-shirts, the gorilla t-shirts, all that good stuff, and say, what's up, Beardo? And we will hook you up with a button and or sticker, depending on what we have on hand. And if you want any more of those details, those dates, deeds, and links for those events, you just head to compassionco.com and click the event tab and you'll find all that info. Yeah. Got a lot of events coming up. I'm excited to be meeting some more people. Oh, hell yeah.
You know, Paul, I I think the next time you do see one of those ASPCA people with their petitions, you should actually stop because you might be surprised. You know, like I would say about 80% of the time that I have actually stopped and talked to the ASPCA folks, all they're trying to do is get people to sign this petition that requires everyone to say the following seven (laughs) words. We are the Bearded Vegans signing off. And then every mailbag episode, which is every 10 episodes, we pick three random winders via winders. Winders. Andy. Yes, Paul. Speaking of, now I got no transition. So no food for you, Paul? Mm, well, I didn't have enough time to go grocery shopping this week, so I've eaten two cans of chickpeas every single day, which is a lot of cans of chickpeas, Andy. Two cans per day? Yeah, because it's all that I have. For how many days? <laughs> Three days so far. My God, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> we need to ha- start like a hashtag feed Paul Stellar campaign. <laughs> no, I just need, I just, I'll give you the money. Just someone go and get the groceries. Like, I haven't had any time. <sighs> My poor boy. My poor boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tofurculous. That, that is a truly sad statement. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, I was going to say we were right. <laughs> so so go us so take that <laughs> i'm right you're wrong heck you yeah in the great words of a real turd <laughs> oh forgot all about that turd paul and veneterarians some animal don't don't tell me he's from Pepperdine University, what? Andy. I don't know. Does a no, great whatever. joke, <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, we'd rather define ourselves by what we are as opposed to what we are not. Naya Gupta, the co-founder and CEO of Fork and Good, said. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Paul, on to our final story of this this news roundup. What's this? this <laughs> is this because I said business person? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Andy wrote down, you're not a person made of business? Question <laughs> mark. He said, you're not a business person. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, and then they have like a list... Of, of brands and they do have a little set and it's like eggs dairy meat yogurt blah, blah. all right wait andy your your microphone just switched and you were just getting into that rap song eggs dairy bacon